Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Tuesday, February 20th, 2024, and you're listening to Alex's News. In local weather, Riverside is set to experience a narrow temperature range today. Highs will barely crest at 56.7 degrees with lows dipping down to a cool 53.5. Now, turning to today's top stories, we find the nation closely watching a pivotal Supreme Court case that is revisiting the way cities approach homelessness, with a significant emphasis on the need to find humane and constructive solutions beyond the scope of criminalization. In healthcare news, California is making financial strides by approving a substantial $57 million loan as part of an initiative to breathe new life into the Madera Community Hospital. This comes as part of a reopening plan spearheaded by American Advanced Management with the goal of improving community health access. And in a significant move within the pharmaceutical industry, Bayer is set to initiate a collaboration with Cost Plus Drugs. This partnership aims to cut down costs on medications like Yaz and Clymara, setting the stage to test the waters for providing brand-name drug discounts in a market clamoring for more affordable healthcare options. Stay tuned as these stories unfold right here on Alex's News. In a major development that could reshape the landscape of homelessness in the United States, the Supreme Court is poised to hear a critical case this April. Joining us to discuss the ramifications and the details of Grant's Pass versus Johnson is our own news reporter, Ethan. Ethan, can you give us a rundown of the current situation regarding this case? Certainly, Grace. The case in question challenges a decision by the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. The appellate court had previously ruled that penalizing homeless individuals for sleeping outside when no shelter is available constitutes cruel and unusual punishment. Now, the Supreme Court's decision to hear this case has many cities worried because they feel the appellate ruling has limited their ability to address the proliferation of tent encampments. That sounds quite significant, Ethan. Can you delve into the key incidents or elements that led to this judicial battle? Of course. Many cities across the nation are grappling with how to best manage growing homeless populations and the visibility of tent encampments. For example, in Deschutes County, officials have set aside $1.5 million to create a managed homeless camp, but they're still working out the specifics. Meanwhile, a federal magistrate has upheld Medford's camping ordinances, despite the scrutiny of anti-homelessness laws in Oregon by the Supreme Court. With the situation being so dynamic, what could the potential consequences of the Supreme Court's decision be? The implications are substantial. If the Supreme Court upholds the Ninth Circuit's ruling, cities could be significantly restricted in enforcing anti-camping ordinances, potentially leading to more tent encampments. But if they overturn it, there's concern from sources like the New Republic about homelessness potentially becoming a de facto crime, which could lead to the criminalization of homelessness instead of addressing the underlying problems. It sounds like a complex issue. Are there other factors at play here that might affect the outcome of this case? Absolutely. One of the contributing factors to the homelessness crisis is the lack of affordable housing. The New Republic notes that over a million evictions have occurred since January 2023. Plus, we have seen a surge in homelessness due to income loss, unpaid rent, and limited government action. As emergency shelters open up in places like Bend and Sisters, and Deschutes County launches a safe parking program, there's a wider conversation about long-term solutions versus punitive measures. Are there any solid alternatives to the criminalization of homelessness being discussed? 
There are several recommendations on the table, like low barrier shelters, increased affordable housing, and extending supportive services. Furthermore, community partnerships are essential. Everything from police initiatives to social work and collaboration with local businesses is being considered to tackle this issue, not just from a legal standpoint, but from a holistic community perspective, focusing on housing first policies and support for the individuals affected. It seems like a multifaceted approach is essential here. Ethan, thank you for this detailed report on what is bound to be a landmark case regarding homelessness in the United States. Thank you, Grace. It's certainly a story we'll continue to follow closely. Now, moving on to our second story of the day. We've got an update on a critical story out of California. Chloe joins us now to discuss the situation with Madera Community Hospital. Chloe, can you give us an overview of what's happening? Sure, Grace. Madera Community Hospital, which is the only general acute healthcare facility for Madera County's 160,000 residents, had to shut its doors due to bankruptcy. This left the region in a healthcare predicament, often referred to as a healthcare desert, due to the lack of accessible services. However, things are looking up as California has offered a $57 million loan to support the hospital's reopening plans. That's a significant development for the community. So, who's stepping in to operate the hospital? And what can you tell us about the process that led to this point? American Advanced Management, or AAM, will be running the hospital. There were some obstacles to overcome, such as regulatory issues and management services agreement challenges. A judge recently approved AAM's proposal to reopen the hospital, which is a noteworthy stride forward for them. Interesting. Now, there was another proposal, right? Why was AAM's plan chosen over the alternative? That's correct, Grace. The rejected proposal was a collaborative effort by UCSF Health, Adventist Health, and Madera County, which offered funding for creditors and stakeholders and aimed to transform the hospital into a teaching facility. However, a judge chose to green light AAM's plan instead. Despite calls from the California Department of Public Health and the Attorney General's office to delay for review and assess the importance of restoring services, the judge's ruling favored AAM's approach. I see. Now, let's delve a little deeper. Chloe, what does this mean for the hospital and the residents of Madera County going forward? Matthew Beeler, AAM's chief strategy officer, voiced enthusiasm about the decision saying the company is prepared to quickly reopen the hospital, potentially within four to six months following the plan's approval. It's a company that specializes in reviving struggling and closed hospitals to ensure ongoing access to quality health care, often in rural areas or urban neighborhoods where medical services are sorely needed. With AAM at the helm, how do you foresee the impact on healthcare services in Madera County? Given that AAM has been doing this since 2012, with a track record that includes ventures like Central Valley Specialty Hospital in Modesto, we can expect them to bring in their expertise in revenue support, HR management, and operations. They've also managed other medical facilities facing hardships, which bodes well for long-term growth and sustainability in Madera. It's definitely reassuring to hear about AAM's experience. What about the company's leadership? What do we know about them? Their board comprises seasoned leaders and industry experts who prioritize collaboration and a commitment to excellence. Their innovative service models for rural and critical access hospitals and positive employee testimonials speak to their dedication to serve and uplift underserved communities. Chloe, before we wrap up, are there any other peculiarities or related factors about this situation that should be on our radar? Just to add, 
AAM's emphasis is also on expanding the medical staff, improving services, and optimizing operations. This strategy could potentially lead to significant healthcare improvements for the residents of Madera County. That could indeed be a game changer for local healthcare. Chloe, thank you so much for that thorough update on Madera Community Hospital. My pleasure, Grace. It'll be interesting to see how the situation continues to unfold. Here are some other headlines. Tensions between Israel and Brazil are high as Israel has declared Brazil's president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva unwelcome in the country, demanding an apology for his comments comparing the Gaza war to the Holocaust. Lula's comparison, made at the African Union summit in Ethiopia, has been met with stern condemnation and accusations of anti-Semitism from Israeli leaders. Amidst this diplomatic conflict, discussions and actions at the United Nations unfold as different resolutions on the situation in Gaza are proposed, including an Arab-backed proposal for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire expected to encounter a U.S. veto at the UN Security Council. In the Gaza Strip, a massive evacuation has been ordered, affecting approximately 1 million Palestinians and escalating the humanitarian crisis, with significant casualties reported and concerns over acute malnourishment among children. Meanwhile, on the global financial scene, a major banking merger is in the news as Capital One plans to acquire Discover Financial Services in a significant all-stock transaction, potentially reshaping the U.S. consumer lending landscape. Lastly, as the war in Ukraine persists, Russian President Putin's continued strategy amidst Russian resource exhaustion suggests a sustained deadlock, potentially leading to further complexity in Eastern Europe's geopolitical canvas. That's a quick look at some of the headlines we're following today. Now on to our third story of the morning. We're looking into a bold business move as pharmaceutical giant Bayer makes an unconventional deal with an online pharmacy. We have our specialist correspondent Ethan with us to delve into this. Ethan, could you give us an introduction to what's happening? Sure, Grace. Bayer has recently partnered with Mark Cuban's online pharmacy, Cost Plus Drugs, to offer discounted versions of their popular contraceptive, Yaz, and their menopause treatment, Clamara. What's noteworthy here is that Cost Plus Drugs has a unique business model where they aim to cut out the middlemen in the pharmaceutical industry, known as pharmacy benefit managers. Cutting out these intermediaries allows for significant savings for consumers. That sounds like a big deal, Ethan. Particularly for a company like Bayer to jump on board. Can you give us some key points about why this partnership is so significant? Absolutely. Normally, Cost Plus Drugs focuses on generic medications, but incorporating brand names like Yaz and Climara is a big leap. This move suggests Bayer is testing new waters in terms of distribution and market access. They're likely exploring whether they can reach more consumers and possibly open the door to new pricing strategies across the industry. Interesting. So, Ethan, how might this impact the patients who rely on these medications? Well, the patients stand to benefit from lower prices on these necessary drugs. Many people might not even know that under the Affordable Care Act, contraceptives should be covered without a copay. However, the reality is that not everyone has access to an in-network pharmacy or provider. Plus, there's a preference for brand-name drugs for some, despite generic options being available and more affordable. So then, what do we know about the financial implications for both Bayer and Cost Plus drugs in this deal? While the exact numbers haven't been disclosed, both parties are anticipated to benefit financially. 
For Bear, it's a chance to reach consumers who might otherwise forego their products due to cost. For Cost Plus Drugs, it's an opportunity to expand their offerings and market share. They're likely to monitor the success closely over the next several months to understand the full impact. With this move, are there any potential drawbacks or concerns that have been raised, Ethan? Some experts are voicing concerns about undercutting the benefits of existing insurance coverage. If people start paying out of pocket for a drug they could get with no copay, it could change the dynamics between patient choices, insurance, and pharmaceutical companies. There's also the matter of whether this pricing model is sustainable in the long term, and what it means for pharmacy benefit managers. Now, this transparent pricing model Cost Plus Drugs uses, could it really push for industry-wide changes in how prescription drugs are priced? It certainly has that potential. Cost Plus Drugs is championing price transparency, which is already creating a ripple effect. Other pharmacy benefit managers and players in the industry are considering similar models to stay competitive. This could transform pricing strategies across the board and increase consumer awareness of cost-saving alternatives. And finally, Ethan, what about people's preference for brand-name drugs? What drives that, considering the insurance coverage and generic alternatives? Various factors play a role here, Grace. Some patients might face limitations with their insurance, experience a perceived effectiveness with brand-name drugs, or have personal preferences. Issues like being out of network for their provider or using medications in non-traditional ways can also influence their decision. It remains to be seen how this partnership will affect those consumer choices and how the rest of the industry responds to Bayer's strategy with cost plus drugs. Thank you so much for those insights, Ethan. That's certainly a story we'll be keeping a close eye on as it develops. Happy to share the details, Grace. Looking forward to seeing how it all unfolds. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4 Turbo. GPT-3.5 Turbo. The Perplexity API. And the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.